Man, it's already been seven episodes and I still haven't done a controversial topic. Hmm, let's check the list. Now, let's see here. Why Tingle is sexier than Waluigi? Eh, nah, too vulgar. Why Obama would love Pikmin? Ah, uh, that's a little too obvious. Why the L button is better than the R button? Nah, that's a bit too long. I don't want this to be two hours. You're not an RPG guy. A Let's Nintendo It Christmas. Well, I certainly can't do that one. Oh, look at that. This topic's perfect. Why well, prefer to pick one digital fictional monster above the other? People hate opinions. This is perfect. Hey everybody, Andrew here, and welcome back to another episode of the Let's Nintendo It podcast. The only podcast where a tiny turtle I loved as a kid could get in the way of true objectivity. Recently, there's been a lot of Pokemon content. Between Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl coming out, and Legends Arceus, of course, changing up the formula as a whole. So I thought it would be fun for me, and insufferable for some of you, to list my favorite starters. How it's gonna work is that I'm gonna go through each and every generation. I'm gonna discuss the starters individually, and then I'll rank the generation as a whole. I'm not going to be ranking individual starters because that would take up way too much time, and even though I almost guarantee myself I'm gonna be going over 30 minutes, I wanna at least try to keep my word. Additionally, I wanna say that this podcast will technically be split into two parts, this episode, I'm going to be doing Generations 1 to 4, and then later down the line, I'll do 5 to 8. Now, to get a better understanding of what type of Pokémon player I am and why I'd possibly pick Starter X over Starter Y, I want to go over a brief history with myself in the series. Like most people around my age, my first Pokémon games were the Generation 4 games, specifically Pokémon Diamond. Additionally, I usually stick only to the main games when it comes to Pokémon. I don't really watch the anime all that often, I don't play the trading card game, I've never played Pokemon Mystery Dungeon or really any other spin-off with the exception of Pokemon Snap, and I am also personally not into competitive Pokemon playing. Also, and this is a bit of a weird one, I've always picked the Grass Starter in every single playthrough of Pokemon I've done. Let me explain. When I was younger, my twin brother and my older sister, we got our first ever Pokemon trading card boxes. It was around when Generation 4 released, so the three packs were themed around Piplup, Chimchar, and Turtwig. I got Turtwig, my brother got Chimchar, and my sister got Piplup. And basically, then on, my brother always chose the Fire Starter, my sister doesn't play Pokémon anymore, and I always chose the Grass Starter. So while I'm going to be trying to be objective to all starters, keep in mind I do have a Grass Starter bias. And finally, while I have played most of the Pokémon generations, the only ones that I have no experience with are Generations 1 and 3. Now, before I really, really get started with this list, first I want to say that in the description of this podcast, there's a link to a survey. When you're finished with this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could fill out the survey in the description. It helps me gauge what you guys thought of the episode and gives me ideas for growth. Without further ado, let's start with Generation 1, the generation that started it all. These games took the world by storm, and quickly everybody knew the name Pokémon. This game's starters are without a doubt some of the most important Pokémon in the franchise. Even after 25 years later, they still remain to be some of the most well-known Pokémon out there, which makes sense considering, for the only time in the series, they were the box art mascots. Well hey, you know two-thirds of them and you love two-thirds of them. Let's start with that 33%. Oh, Venusaur. What? What happened to you? 
You started out so good. Bulbasaur is adorable. The fact that the first grass starter ever was not green but blue makes it really unique. And it's a very simple concept, but it's still very lovable. It's exactly what you think a grass Pokemon would be. A bulb that develops into a flower. I think it's a very strong starting Pokemon, and Ivysaur is arguably cooler. A twist that I didn't expect with this family's design is that its flower turned out to be pink of all things. Video games, especially back in the 90s, I felt always tried to focus on the boy demographic. I mean, just look at the other two starters in this lineup. But I think pink is a fantastic choice for a color. It complements the blue and green very well. But then Ivysaur just had to go and evolve. The flower bloomed all the way, and I think it looks really good. But apparently the weight of it was a little too much for poor Ivysaur's back, resulting in the finely crushed Venusaur we know today. I just don't like how the body looks. It's so flat, it's all warty, its eyes are so small and spread far apart. I think it's trying to come off as bulky and like a wall, but it just looks ugly to me. At least it's quite good stat-wise. Venusaur was known as the easy mode of the game. Generation 1 was back in the day where the different starters represented different difficulties, basically. Venusaur's typings not only complemented a lot of the gyms, but Bulbasaur evolved into its final form four levels before any other starter did back in this generation. Bulbasaur's entire line was also not pure Grass-type, but they were all Grass-Poison-type, which even though it followed Generation 1's fetish of giving everything a Poison subtype, it still provided with some useful resistances. Additionally, it had easy access to both Toxic and Leech Seed. In the Generation 1 games, there was a glitch where if a Pokémon was both affected by Leech Seed and Toxic, the amount of HP that Leech Seed would seal would rise exponentially after every turn, just like Toxic would. Well, that's enough talking about a wannabe wall, let's talk about an actual wall in the form of Blastoise. Overall, I'd say Blastoise is my favorite design of the Generation 1 Final Evolutions. It's nice, simple, it looks intimidating, and the two shoulder cannons give it just enough to not be a normal animal, but still be a Pokémon. Blastoise's line design-wise is honestly all over the place. Squirtle is just a turtle, and Wartortle... I don't even know what Wartortle is. It has tails that make a Ninetales jealous, and it has pointy ears that never come back? It honestly looks like it was a part of a different line altogether than they just decided to shove it into this evolutionary line, because pretty much none of Wartortle's quirks are shown in Blastoise whatsoever. And I'm happy to report that Blastoise battle-wise is also really good. It has some fantastic bulk, and it learns some really great moves as well, such as Gyro Ball, which takes advantage of how slow it is, which is a good counter against fairy types, as well as Shell Smash, which is just fun. Additionally, Blastoise is a mixed attacker, which in Generation 1, which came way before the physical special split, that's really nice. This means that Blastoise is able to use any element of move and still use it relatively well. Well, that's enough time talking about a plant and a turtle, because now we're gonna talk about the spoiled child of Generation 1. It's been in Smash Bros, it's been in million dollar trading cards, and it's been shoved down our throats for the last 25 years. Of course, I'm talking about Charmeleon! <coughs> okay, fine, let's talk about Charizard. I can see why Charizard got so popular out of these three. I mean, it's a fire-breathing dragon, who wouldn't think that's cool? As for me, though, I think it's fine. I definitely don't think it's a bad design, I just think it's a little bit too generic of a dragon. There's not a lot of features, I feel, that differentiate Charizard from any other dragon, really. 
and in battle, I think it's a pretty decent special sweeper. I just wish it had a little bit more variety in the move pool department. It learns great fire moves, sure, but except for Air Slash and Dragon Breath, there aren't a lot of moves it can learn naturally that will let it take advantage of its nice special attack. So you're going to have to invest some TMs if you want a really diverse special attacker. The anime, I felt, was also a double-edged sword for this evolution line. As I said before, I don't know too much about the anime, so don't expect me to bring it up much more than this. But I know this much, Charmander is absolutely adorable. Charmander was already a starter design that I liked a lot, but in the anime, they tug at your heartstrings by making Charmander nearly die a couple of times, which made Charmander so endearing and something that I need to protect. Charizard, on the other hand, my goodness, Ash's Charizard was so frustrating. It was so lazy and truant that you'd think it was a slacking. Ash's Charizard was so awful that it caused him to lose the Pokemon League. If that's not a terrible portrayal, I don't know what is. And those are the Generation 1 starters, though I probably didn't have to tell you that considering Game Freak doesn't stop bringing them up. Due to nostalgia, these starters are some of the most heavily represented Pokemon in all of the series. They have Mega Evolutions, they have Gigantamax forms, and at least one is represented in every single piece of Pokemon media. It's at the point where I feel they've become pretty oversaturated, and I wish that Game Freak was putting a little bit more time and energy into another trio of starters. However, that's far from a good reason for me to dislike them. These three are quite good, and overall, I place them 4th out of 8th. I think what's really keeping them from placing a little bit higher is because they're very simple, probably thanks to the Game Boy's limitations. And having a special-oriented Grass-type, a Sweeper-Fire-type, and a Tanky Water-type is the norm. And to me, there are generations that not only still have a well-balanced group of starters, but ones that are more unique in terms of the roles they play on your team, and what their designs are based off of. Are they the best starters ever? In my eyes, no. But for the first starters ever created, I think Game Freak did a fantastic job. And considering Red, Green, and Blue are still some of the best-selling games ever, and it has these three spaces on the box art, I can still see why they remain so beloved today. However, that's all in the past. Pokemon at this point was a huge smash hit, and with a smash hit game, comes a sequel soon after. Three years later, releasing in 1999 in Japan, we got those sequels. Our Generation 2, Pokemon Gold and Silver. This direct sequel to Red and Blue took us through the Johto region, introduced us to a hundred new Pokemon, including three brand new starters, Chikorita, Totodile, and Cyndaquil. Even the hop from the Game Boy to the Game Boy Color saw some significant changes. Not only are Pokemon now fully displayed in color, but the sprite art is significantly better. Generation 1 sprite art aged terribly. Thank goodness so much promo artwork was all over in the 90s, or else I feel nobody would really know what these Pokemon were meant to look like. There's a lot of pressure coming after the starters of Generation 1, considering they're some of the most popular Pokemon of all time. Can Generation 2 create starters that are just as beloved as the original? Well, let's start with Cyndaquil, our Fire-type. Right off the bat, I have to give Cyndaquil points for its concept. Having a Fire-type Shrew is not an animal I'd expect to be represented in a Pokemon game, especially with its unique color palette, but I feel like the developers didn't know where to take Cyndaquil's design after that. I mean, don't get me wrong, Quillava is really cool. Its face is a great mixture between intimidating but cute, and who could say anything bad about having a fire mohawk? That's awesome! No, no, I have no issues with Quillava. 
but I can't say the same about Typhlosion. It feels like Game Freak had no idea how to end this line at all, so they just made a bigger Cyndaquil. Heck, it even loses some flames from the transition from Quill Lava to Typhlosion. Why did that happen? And why is it the Volcano Pokémon? What about Typhlosion makes you think Volcano at all? Do you know who else is the Volcano Pokémon? Entei. And that looks like a Volcano. Typhlosion has no resemblances. Additionally, even though it looks like Typhlosion only stands up on two legs, for some reason in a lot of other media, Typhlosion runs in all fours, and it looks unnatural. And in terms of usability, it's okay? Like Charizard, it's a special sweeper, but it has a very lackluster moveset, pretty much only learning normal and fire-type moves naturally. You're going to have to invest some TMs if you want it to learn any other special move that isn't Fire-type. The Fire-type moves Typhlosion does get are good, and it even learns Eruption naturally, which is a very rare and extremely powerful move, but that's about it worth mentioning. Actually, no! Something else I wanted to point out about Typhlosion is that with a Heart Scale, it can learn Gyro Ball, a physical Steel-type move that's more powerful the slower the user is, on a Fire-type Special Sweeper. I really don't get it. Is it because of Volcanoes? Typhlosion is disappointing to me, but the worst is yet to come. Let's say hello to Meganium, the Grass-type starter of Johto. Right off the bat, I think Meganium's line is fine design-wise. Chikorita's cute, I think Bayleaf looks fantastic, and Meganium's a final evolution of a starter that's not supposed to look intimidating, but more cute and beautiful, and I appreciate that. But my problem is, is that it's the exact same concept as Venusaur done again. A reptilian creature that has buds attached to it that grows into a flower as it evolves. So its design is uncreative, but that's not my main problem with Meganium. My main problem with Meganium is that it is so useless as a Pokémon in the Generation 2 games. And it doesn't even get that much better in Generation 4. Much like Generation 1, in Generation 2, the different starters represented different difficulties. However, unlike Bulbasaur in Generation 1, which was easy mode, Chikorita is hard mode. And by hard mode, it means that so many points throughout the main campaign are designed against grass types. Grass not only has no type advantages against any of the eight main gyms in Johto, but five out of the eight gyms have types that are either good against grass or resist grass. Actually, I'm gonna say that it's six. The Ghost-type gym only uses the Ghastly line, which are all part poison, which all resist grass. So, six out of eight. Additionally, throughout the game, you fight Team Rocket, and they use pretty much solely poison or flying types, which means that grass is also incredibly unhelpful. On top of that, in Gold, Silver, and Crystal, there's a noticeable lack of water routes and caves that are required to go through, and those are usually where grass-types shine. But even if this game wasn't so designed against grass types, Meganium wouldn't be able to do much because on its own, it's a pretty bad Pokémon. Meganium is supposed to be a support Pokémon. It has high defenses both ways, and it can learn a lot of status moves, but in return it has low speed and low offensive stats. Okay, so first problem, grass is a terrible defensive type. Grass has five weaknesses, which is tied for having the most of any type along with rock, and you'll be seeing those types a lot in Johto. Along with the fact that Meganium is not the fastest Pokémon out there means that Meganium likely has to take a hit and survive before it can even do its supporting role. Which is easier said than done. 
Meganium learns fine status moves, it learns both the screens naturally, which is pretty great, as well as some powder moves, which are not as accurate as I'd like them to be, but are still okay if you've got absolutely nothing else. But Meganium being terrible in battle stems from the fact that it barely learns any good offensive move through level up or through TM. Razor Leaf and Body Slam are pretty much the best options you're going to get. Their low attack power along with Meganium's low attack stats means that it cannot do a lot of damage, even when it has the type advantage. When I played Pokémon Silver for the first time this year, my main strategy that I had was start out with it in a battle, put up a screen or hope that one of the powders hit, and then switch it out and not use it again unless something else needs poisoning. Because every time I tried to use Meganium to beat a Pokémon, it would usually end up dying itself. As someone who only uses Grass-type starters, I could easily say Meganium is the worst starter I have ever used. So, my review of the first two starters haven't been very bright, but at least there's a lot of good I could say about the water starter, Feraligator. For starters, I think its design is good. I think Feraligator looks really vicious and intimidating, and I do like its color scheme a lot. I can see how some people just consider it to be a bigger Totodile, but to those people I say, does Typhlosion or Meganium have arm pockets? I didn't think so. The first evolution, Totodile, has always been only okay for me design-wise. It just looks like a problem child. Like, I feel like if it was in a grocery store, it would be that kid who always knocks things over, cries, and throws a tantrum. For some reason, I've always associated Totodile with that. And Croconaw's a caveman, I guess? Though the big appeal of Feraligator to me is its actual moveset and stats. Feraligator is a physical attacking water type, which in Generation 2, admittedly, is not the greatest in the world. In the original Gold, Silver, and Crystal, there was no physical special split. If a move was water type, it used the special attack. And while Feraligator's special attack wasn't terrible, it definitely wasn't the best. And this is not helped by the fact that the other useful moves Feraligator gets also are special, such as Bite and Ice Fang. However, in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, this isn't a problem. Physical water moves exist, but on top of that, it learns a lot of great physical moves by leveling up, such as Bite, Crunch, Ice Fang, Low Kick, Agility, and even Superpower. It doesn't learn a lot of great physical water moves, but Waterfall's an HM, so that's not a problem at all. Feraligator is certainly a bright spot in this overall, extremely mediocre set of starters. And I feel bad for them too, because out of all the trios of starters, I think the Generation 2 ones are some of the least represented in other media. And they don't get any special treatment either. They have no signature moves, they have no Gigantamax forms, they have no Z moves, they have no Mega Evolutions. Which is sad, because these starters desperately need something to differentiate them from the rest. These three starters start and remain monotype throughout their entire evolution line. And in terms of design, it doesn't help that these three look simpler than even Generation 1 starters. Though what I really think holds this trio back is just how similar they are to the Generation 1 starters. I already mentioned that Meganium has the exact same concept as Venusaur, but Meganium even has the exact same stats as Venusaur, except the defense and special attack are flipped. Though the worst offender to this is Typhlosion whose entire line has the exact same stats as Charizard's line. Cyndaquil, Quilava, and Typhlosion share the exact same base stats as Charmander, Charmeleon, and Charizard respectively. 
I hate the fact that I have so much negative things to say about these starters, because I love Generation 2. Heart Gold and Soul Silver are some of my favorite games ever, and these Pokemon games introduce a lot of my favorite Pokemon of all time. Johto is one of my favorite regions, which is why it pains me to say, these are my second least favorite trio of starters in the series. To me at least, they're 7th place. I don't know how the general fanbase likes these starters, but I just want to say that even if I dislike a starter trio, or a single starter at all, it's far from any good reason for you to dislike that starter. Everybody looks for different things design-wise and playstyle-wise, and these three just didn't make the cut for me personally. Besides, I think the biggest aspect that makes someone attached to a certain Pokémon is their own experiences with that Pokémon. Sure, I may see Typhlosion as a design that's not particularly creative, and stats that aren't particularly creative, but I'm sure there are so many others that see Typhlosion as a friend and a partner, who stood by and helped defeat evil organizations, gym leaders, and even champions with three Dragonites. And if you feel that way about any starter I already have or may diss, then you have every right to feel that way. I'm just trying to be as objective as possible, and at least to me personally, the Generation 2 starters don't have a lot of the qualities that I like in starter trios. You know, so far I've found myself praising the two water starters we've gone over, so it's a little appropriate that our next region is one that's known for being drenched in water. Released in 2002 in Japan and 2003 pretty much everywhere else, Pokémon Ruby and Sapphire marked the start of the third generation of Pokémon. And it was a pretty important time for the series as well, as this marked the first time that a main series game wasn't on 8-bit hardware. These games released for the Game Boy Advance, which was a 16-bit machine, which means that the developers and artists were able to create Pokémon designs that were a little more complex. However, over time, Generation 3 has received quite a bit of criticism over the new Pokémon introduced in the Hoenn region, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm in that same boat as well. I know that Pokémon designs are extremely subjective, but Generation 3 didn't have a lot of my favorites. But we're not here to rate Pokédexes, we're here to rate starter Pokémon. And I want to start with Sceptile, as I feel like it broke a lot of barriers for the Grass-type starter. I say this because I find in the two prior generations, Grass-types always seem to be designed around being the calm or the passive one, compared to the other two, which seem to be designed around being intimidating or cool. But Sceptile seems to break that mold. It's not a big, bulky monster like the previous two, it's a sleek lizard that tries to focus more on being cool. You see this within this line's designs, but especially with Trico. While I feel like other first evolution of starters focus on being cute and having big eyes, Trico doesn't have that. It has yellow reptilian eyes, which I'd argue most people find creepy. But I feel like it works because Trico's not trying to look all that cute, it's trying to look cool. And I can certainly say the same about the middle evolution Grovile. Arguably, Grovile's the best designed Pokémon in this line. The proportions, the leaves, it all just works. And I can see how some people may say that Sceptile's kind of a weak follow-up to Grovile. It's odd how Sceptile looks like it has less leaves on it than Grofile, and it's even a lighter shade of green, which is not where I expected this evolution line to go. And I think a key factor in this issue is that Sceptile's key artwork is not nearly as cool looking as the other two's. But I think Sceptile's green and red color palette, its bushy leaf tail, 
and its blade protruding from its hand still make it an overall really cool design. And oh my goodness, it's stats! They finally took the type that had 5 weaknesses and did not make it a tank. Sceptile's a sweeper, boasting high speed, special attack and physical attack, while having some pretty lackluster defenses. Now, my one big issue moveset-wise is that Sceptile learns a lot of physical moves for being a special sweeper. Don't get me wrong, 85 attack isn't terrible, but having more special attacks would've made Sceptile a lot better. And as a testament to Sceptile actually being a cool grass-type starter, it's the first grass starter where the Pokedex entries don't focus on its spell. Yeah, for some reason with Venusaur and Meganium, most of its entries focus on what that Pokémon smells like, which... cool, I guess? Nice to know that Venusaur smells funny during rain, while Charizard can melt glaciers and Blastoise can pierce steel beams with its water jets. Can you believe Venusaur is the least popular one? Well, do you know what smells good? Fried chicken. And do you know what's fried chicken? Our fire starter. Let's talk about Blaziken. Let's start with the good news. Blaziken actually has different stats this time. While Charizard and Typhlosion focused on being a special sweeper, Blaziken focuses more on being a mixed attacker, while sacrificing some speed compared to the previous two starters. This is actually really neat, because Blaziken came before a time where the physical special split was implemented. So this means that Blaziken is able to use any element of attack and use it very well. This is also helped by the fact that Blaziken is a fire fighting type. Fire an all special type and a fighting an all physical type. At the time, fire fighting was never a type combination that's been done before, so I'm going to give it a pass here, but don't get used to that. Another aspect I really like about Blaziken is its design. When you see a Fire-type bird, you naturally think it's going to be a Fire-flying-type, but I really admire this subversion of expectations by making it a Fighting-type. Plus, I think Blaziken pulls off looking like a Fighting-type, while still using all of the physical characteristics you find on a bird, such as its beak on its face forming a crest that looks like a mask, its legs looking like pants that are used in certain martial arts, or even the use of bird talons for its arms. Now, I feel bad for Blaziken, because it initially started out as the most beloved Generation 3 starter, but because the internet hates things being unanimously loved, its popularity has definitely been knocked down a few pegs as the years went by. But I don't think Blaziken deserved all the hate that it got. This is certainly not a popular opinion, but Blaziken's my favorite fire starter I've talked about today. I bring up Blaziken's popularity because I feel the water starter, Swampert, has had the exact opposite effect. People only liked it the more time went by. And I have to say, I don't know how it took this long for people to fully appreciate a water ground starter. That is incredible. Water ground is one of the best type combinations out there, and it helps that Swampert's stats are also very good. It has some great defensive stats for a starter, and is a very solid attack stat. Swampert does the physical water-type starter a lot better than Feraligator, because Swampert gets ground-type moves, including Earthquake, naturally. Without a doubt, I'd say that Swampert is the best Generation 3 starter. Not only does it have phenomenal typing and stats, but it helps that Generation 3 was the generation that double battles were introduced. Having such an accessible Pokémon use Earthquake and Surf with same type attack bonus made Swampert absolutely demolish double battles. And in terms of design, it's fine. To be perfectly honest, it is my least favorite of the Generation 3 starter designs. It just looks too much like a big Mudkip. 
but I certainly don't have any negative feelings towards it. I still think it looks really cool, and I really like its blue and orange color palette. And really, except for some middle evolutions not being great, such as Marsh Tomp and Combuskin, I have nothing negative to say about these three. And that's not even all the positive things I have to say. Because Generation 3 was remade in Generation 6, all three of these starters got Mega Evolutions. And one of my absolute favorite trends was introduced in this generation, all of the starters having signature moves. These moves in particular feel so appropriate for the Pokémon. Swampert getting Muddy Water because it's a Groundwater type. Blaziken learning Blaze Kick because of its long legs and the fact that it's a Fire Fighting type. Though my absolute favorite is Sceptile with Leaf Blade. Leaf Blade has become one of my favorite moves, and it's awesome to see it on a Pokémon that it just fits with so well, considering it has physical Leaf Blades on its body. It feels weird that one of the only generations of Pokémon I have never played has my favorite trio of starters. I didn't even realize until recently just how much these three clicked with me, which is why Generation 3 has my second favorite trio of starters. I'm honestly shocked by this revelation, but I'm not gonna lie, I just love them that much. Well, we've gone over the two generations I've never touched, let's go over the first generation I ever played, Generation 4. Released in 2006 in Japan and 2007 about everywhere else, this game was responsible for bringing a lot of old fans back into the series thanks to how popular the DS was at the time. And of course it introduced a lot of new players to the series, such as myself. I still remember that day. It was my 8th birthday. And, as a present, my parents got myself and my twin brother a third-party pack containing two Nintendo DS lights, a copy of Pokémon Pearl, and a copy of The Simpsons game for the Nintendo DS. I remember distinctly reaching out for Pokémon Pearl, until my brother shoved me out of the way to grab Pearl for himself, while I was stuck with The Simpsons game for the Nintendo DS. It may have taken me years of therapy to get over that day, but about a year later, I traded The Simpsons game to my cousin for Pokémon Diamond. And let's just get this one out of the way. When I first played Pokémon Diamond, Turtwig was the first ever starter Pokémon I ever picked, and what a surprise, I love Turtwig. I love Turtwig a lot, it's one of my all-time favorite starters. Design-wise, I think there's a lot of interesting points about Turtwig's family. First off, it's the first ever duplicate animal starter. We already had a turtle back in Generation 1, and three generations later, they're doing that animal again, but with a different type. Despite the fact that it's an animal we've already seen before, I think Turtwig's family does the concept extremely well. Having the final evolution being a turtle with a continent on its back is a fantastic idea. And it helps that Turtwig is absolutely adorable. I think its more neutral color tones really work, and its little tiny twig on its head is just so adorable. And I respect Torterra's design a lot, because not only does it have a significantly different color palette than its other two stages of its evolution, but it's the only final evolution of a starter that I know that's on purposefully asymmetrical. Considering how few Pokémon overall are asymmetrical, I applaud the developers for making an asymmetrical starter work. Stat-wise, Torterra is also very unique because it's a physical Grass-type. If a physical Grass-type was made in any other generation before this, it wouldn't be viable. But thanks to the physical special split introduced in Diamond and Pearl, physical Grass-type moves exist in order to complement Torterra's highest attack stat. Torterra showcases the importance of the physical special split, this change has made once unviable sounding Pokémon much more usable, and I really appreciate Torterra for that. 
In addition, Torterra has the incredibly unique typing of Grass Ground. I have absolutely no idea how this type hasn't been used more, but Torterra uses it well considering it learns Woodhammer and Earthquake right out of the box. One thing I'll say about Torterra is that, while it's trying to be a physical tank, I don't think it works very well as one. Grass Ground is a great offensive type, but absolutely abysmal defensively, as it has a lot of weaknesses. Every time I use Torterra, it always struggles in the late game, because of how many exploitable weaknesses it has. I don't think Torterra's Meganium levels of unbalanced, but in terms of the single-player campaign, I find that Torterra is not as viable as your average starter. Which is a trait I can't say the same about Infernape, our fire starter for this region. Infernape is another fire fighting starter, which is a little bit disappointing to me to be honest. And it doesn't help that Blaziken and Infernape perform very similar roles. They're both mixed attackers, the only difference is that Infernape has more of a focus on speed and less of a focus on the attack stats like Blaziken does. However, the big difference between Blaziken and Infernape is the moveset. Infernape has an incredible moveset. Whether you're playing Diamond and Pearl or Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, there are so many options for Infernape. Because the physical special split was introduced in this generation, the player has the choice of making Infernape either a dedicated physical sweeper, a dedicated special sweeper, or a mixed sweeper. This makes Infernape a fantastic Pokémon to choose on replays because of how many viable builds it has and its moveset was only made better in Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl by giving it more options it learns naturally by level-ups such as U-Turn, Acrobatics, and Power-Up Punch. In terms of usability, I think Infernape is the best of this trio, but in terms of design, I think it's fine. I honestly don't know how to feel about its lanky, skinny body, and something about its design just looks a little cluttered to me, probably those yellow fur accents it has all over. Chimchar's of course adorable, but that really goes without saying. Overall, I don't think Infernape's a bad design at all, but it's not as appealing as Blaziken's for me. It's weird that I'm talking about Blaziken so much considering this generation introduced another bird starter! Let's finally talk about Empoleon. And I gotta say right off the bat, Empoleon's never been very appealing to me. And it may be because of the wrong reasons. You see, when I was a kid, I always watched my brother play Pokémon Pearl, and my brother always picked Infernape. That meant his rival had Empoleon, and because Empoleon was weak to Fighting-type moves, his Infernape would always kill Empoleon in one hit. This made Empoleon look like it was a bad Pokémon to me as a kid, but now that I'm 21 and can see much more objectively what type of Pokémon Empoleon is, I certainly think it's a lot better than when I was a kid, but it's still my least favorite of the three by a fair margin. First off, the design. Piplup is extremely cute. I've always liked Piplup, but Empoleon just never really did it for me. Which is odd, because I feel like Empoleon would be a Pokémon I really would like. It's very regal looking, and the idea that its fins turn into swords is really awesome. But looking at it now, I think the key aspect I don't like about Empoleon's design is its face. Because of the way it was designed with really small eyes and a beak that's attached to a trident on its head, it's not very expressive. And because of that, I don't think it looks as appealing to me as the other two starters. Now that I'm older though, I realize, in a gameplay standpoint, there's a lot of fantastic aspects about Empoleon. Its stats may look a lot like the traditional special attacker, you know, high special attack, high special offense, but Empoleon's typing is where it really shines. Water-Steel is a phenomenal type combination. 
It has a whopping 10 resistances. 12 in Generation 4. In Generation 4, Steel was not a very offensively viable type, but thanks to the introduction of Fairy types, now Steel is one of the most valuable offensive types, making Empoleon age incredibly well. However, I think the developers realized how good Empoleon's type was, because in order to balance it out, its moveset is not the best. For a special attacker, it doesn't learn a lot of great special moves. Oddly enough, it actually learns a lot of great physical moves, and even gets Swords Dance and Aqua Jet naturally. So I'm not saying Empoleon's a bad Pokémon at all, it's just a little difficult to use for its intended purpose as a special attacker. That wraps up my thoughts on the Generation 4 starters, which, to me, is another very solid trio. The designs in terms of complexity and detail are a step up from Generation 3, and these are also the first starters where all three of them gained another type by the time they're at their final evolution. And what makes this even more impressive is that Empoleon and Torterra's type are types that are not seen in any other Pokémon. Starters with unique types is only seen in Generation 4. Despite the fact I do have a lot of praises for the Senno Bunch, I do have a few problems with them as well. First off, I don't think these three starters are as well balanced as they were in Generation 3. To me, I think Infernape is the clear best choice compared to Empoleon and Torterra. No disrespect to the other two, of course, but to me, Infernape's great stats and amazing move pool perform a lot better than Torterra's slow speed with its terrible defensive type and Empoleon's great type, but very weak moveset. Secondly, it's sad for me to say, but they already got rid of signature moves for the starters. Which is really sad, I would have loved to see what moves these three could do that no other Pokémon could. To sum it all up, even though I don't think the Generation 4 starters are as strong as its previous generation in terms of designs, balance, and usability, the Sinnoh starters still proved to be one of my absolute favorites. And to me personally, I rank them third. When I was ranking these starters on my personal time, this was the result I was most surprised with. I expected that my first ever starter trio would rank second or first, but I'm surprised to find out that Generation 3, games that I haven't even played, rank even higher. Another aspect that really surprised me is that my favorite starter trio wasn't in the first four generations. Which generation does have my favorite starters though, is a topic that has to be saved for another time. Because for right now, it's time to end the episode. If you listened all the way through, thank you so much, I really appreciate it. If you agree or disagree with any of my rankings or my points, then please come let me know. I'm on Twitter at WhatPodcasts. My DMs are open, so if you feel like having a conversation, feel free to reach out. Also, if you did listen to all of this episode, then I'd really appreciate it if you filled in the survey that's in the description. Filling it in helps me know what you guys want and helps this channel grow. Until next time, I hope you all stayed safe and had very happy holidays. This has been What's New Andrew, and that's What's New.